0: Or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Yo, people, Anna David with After Party Pod. After Party Pod is a part of After Party Magazine, a website determined to change the face and get rid of the stigma around addiction and recovery. Now, After Party is a part of RehabReviews.com, the world's largest resource for treatment centers across the globe. You can go there to see if your rehab stay could be free. Go to RehabReviews.com slash benefits dash check. What else can you do there, you may ask? You can get a Recover Girl t-shirt. Go to RehabReviews.com slash Recover Girl shirt. Sorry, guys. Anyway, you'd know all of this if you were signed up for our newsletter. What are you doing? Go sign up. RehabReviews.com slash newsletter dash sign dash up. Now here's the show. Welcome to the after party just getting started you can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturdays hey you guys it's Anna David with the after party pod how are you it's um it's good to talk to you how are you are things good if you have never listened to this podcast before where the hell have you been Slash Welcome. Um, we talk about addiction and recovery, and healthy relationships. and And this particular episode, we get we we don't did not a not an addict. This guest, so we didn't get into recovery, and yet we did. This is kind of one of my favorites. Um, you never know. You never know what's going to end up becoming this incredible conversation. Not that every conversation on this podcast is not incredible. So what do I want to tell you? I feel like all my intros often have to do lately with like, I'm just kind of tired and it's Friday or something. It is Friday. Um, I'm, I'm not tired per se. I eat a lot of pasta for lunch, which is not something... I do because I live in Los Angeles where, you know, gluten is the enemy. So, um, as somebody, uh, I dated briefly used to say, I'm not gluten intolerant. I'm gluten intolerant, tolerant to describe me. So, yeah. So I just don't tend to do that. It's like heavy and, and all of that, but I did it. It was free food. I work in this office where there's a catering company that will occasionally host these lunches where it's free and all you have to do is fill out a survey afterwards. So, it's not a bad deal at all. At all. So, what else? I have a bit of a headache. I don't know if you ever have this, but you have like the hint of a headache and you go, "You know, is that a headache or is it not a headache?" And if you, you know, and then I start obsessing over, is this a headache? And that can give you a headache. Um, I, I started doing this, I don't know. I, I used to have chronic, horrible headaches. Uh, my 16th year I had of life, I had a headache the entire year. And parents took me to uh, all these doctors. And I ended up at a neurologist with a neurologist who plugged me, as I recall, plugged me into like a biofeedback machine by plug me into, I mean, suction cups were pa- placed on my forehead and, and those went to a machine and they measured your stress level and mine, like the needle went over 10 to 11, as they say. And um, so then they started doing biofeedback on me and and then giving me prescription meds. And it was my first experience with opiates. And I remember... Darvacet was what they gave me. It's now long gone. That's how intense it was. And I remember driving, safe, um, to school and thinking, God, I feel good. And I thought, oh, I must just feel good because I've been in pain for so long and it's gone. But I was like, this is a little different than that. I didn't know I was getting high. But but anyway, um, so I ended up going to this naturopath recently and she has diagnosed me with all these, all those things that you hear everybody have. Epstein-Barr and asymptomatic for everything. But she said the headaches were a symptom. So I started taking about 10,000 supplements every day. And the headaches went away. And then, so I had full-on faith with her. And then I stopped having the faith. Um, I would get these blood tests and she would go, oh, my God, it's gone. Then, oh, my God, it's back. And then she's not, she's in Seattle, so I'm not even able to see her and just terribly difficult to get a hold of doesn't seem to read my emails accurately if I'm having symptoms and I know I know everybody is like go stop this go to another doctor and 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 um I gave all the the blood tests to my regular doctor and he's like no it's fine what you're doing it's just supplements really and anyway so I'm getting like hints of headaches again and I'm going oh my god this naturopath none of it works and who knows we don't really know. It's, the human body's weird. We just don't know what's going on, no matter how much these doctors and naturopaths act like they do. Anyway, how'd you like that? That journey into my health. I'm going to tell you about today's guest. Uh, I love this guy. His name is David Slash Dave. Let's start again. His name is Dave Nadelberg. Apologies, I just got a text. Dave Nadelberg uh, is the creator of Mortified, which is an extremely popular uh, stage show that has been around for 13 years and is all over the world. Started in LA. And it has become... Sorry, just got an email. Very popular. Um, It has become a... Two books... Uh, a documentary now available on, uh, Netflix and a TV show, which was on the Sundance channel, which I watched obsessively. And according to Dave, nobody else did, but he's just being modest. So anyway, I used to watch that TV show. I had met him briefly, you know, say six or seven years ago. And I, so I used to watch that TV show, and then he showed up at this storytelling show that I used to do called True Tales of Lust and Love. Episodes still available on iTunes, by the way. And he, I was super nervous. I, you know, I was like, oh my God, Dave Neidelberger's here. Ah, I froze a little bit. And, but then we became friends. I, I worked through that. And now I, I you know, we hang out. He comes to parties at my house. I really, really, really enjoy this guy. And I perceive him to be just so, you know, kind of not always like, not necessarily the life of the party, but just like super charming guy. Girls always come away with crushes on him. And 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 so I, I just thought, well, he he's created Mortified. It's become this very big thing. It's about it's where people read the sort of journal entries and letters they wrote when they were teenagers or even younger and it it has a lot to do with relationships and so I thought this will be interesting we'll get him talking about what makes for a healthy relationship and we ended up getting into so much more uh and it, it interestingly though we went in not thinking we'd be talking about recovery we got more into talking about recovery than ever, and it just came out in a very organic, unexpected way for me, possibly for you too. We'll see. So anyway, this is Dave Nadelberg. I first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash. Oh my
1: God. I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Hardy animal. I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I used call it, the Autobahn to nowhere.
0: I'm very lucky, because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? I, I do not... emotionally cut off to people. Here, but use your mic when you're going to say anything interesting.
1: All right, I won't say anything interesting. My name
0: is David. What I was saying is that, is that, you know, I've known you now for, what, three or four years?
1: Something, something something-ish like that.
0: And... I, it's not that I perceive you as closed off or shut down in any way. We're
1: starting really friendly, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but but you did say that you you know your energy would pe- per, you know perk when we started to get going. So I'm just I'm just infusing you with some.
1: Am I there yet? Not, I, we, not I yet.
0: perceive you as always there. Back to what okay. I perceive you sorry, as, which is just apparently what I just will only talk about. You know, I so not at all a clo- <laughs> like a, a closed book or whatever, but but I feel like you're careful about what you reveal as opposed to everyone reveal else reveal about I know. myself? Yes.
1: Oh, interesting. But
0: I think the, one of the reasons I have that, that idea about you is that I asked you to do True Tales, and anyone I asked... Um, always was like absolutely oh my god yes and you know and they'd figure out later what um oops what they we wanted rec- to no 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 we've been going that's my background we've been recording okay. yeah 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 okay all this magic has been caught so far okay, good. on good. tape um but but when i asked you you very thoughtfully said you know what i don't know let me think about it let me think if i have a story which was unlike what anyone else i ever asked to said
1: Oh right, yeah, you did have kind of a surprised reaction to that, and I just recently wrote something that would have been great for your show. Really? Like two months ago or three months ago, and I started performing it. Where? Uh, I did it at the oh. sun- Sunday Night Sex Show, and then I did it at Taboo, Taboo Tales. Tales,
0: yeah, that was mm-hmm. recent.
1: Yeah, and because um, I had because uh, your show Love and Lust was like, all right, you gotta have a story. It's gotta be probably at least seventy percent funny. Um, yeah And weirdly, most of the things well, I don't know weirdly, but like most of the things that I write when I, as a writer are um, Not funny. Well, I used to be sort of a comedy write, writer. like I moved to Los Angeles to like write TV and film like like wacky animation and puppet kind of stuff. like that right. I wanted to be like Pixar guy, um, and um, but yeah, my gravitational, creative gravitational force went w- elsewhere. And uh, but the things that I tend to write, uh, and especially like right now, I've been writing a book for several years, and uh, I would say they're like fifteen percent funny or twenty percent funny, and, and serious, uh, and you know, uh, heartfelt and um, earnest. You know, things that words that people don't like. Because uh, they I, associate it with Hallmark Channel.
0: I hate, I happen to hate the word earnest, and I happen to I use know. that word when I tell people to, when they're writing for me on the site, we don't do earnest. Yeah. But, but at it
1: might not be the right word. But it's, I like, yeah. you know what the right word is? Human. Yeah. I'm, I'm really into things that uh, I like exploring the human condition, which means a full rounded experience. So, like, it will be funny, but it'll also be serious. It will also be sad f- sad, and philosophical. Like, I like giving people all the feels.
0: Yeah. No, I think that... I think that... Um, well, the, 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 the truth is, I have not read your writing, which is kind of, you know, goes back to my original point that I don't know that much about your, you know, like, you know, secret personal life. I guess <laughs> secret means I shouldn't. But because what you do has a lot to do with people being very revealing.
1: And confessional, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: that's why it's interesting to me.
1: That's right. So right before we started recording, yes. you you had asked me, uh, you said you, uh, you saw me as, uh, you didn't know, you didn't, I, I you said, is there anything I need to avoid? I said, no, it's, it's a fairly open book. I, yeah. I'll talk about whatever. And you were like, oh, that surprises me. Yeah. And that surprised me that it surprised you. Right. And we're just in this weird shame spiral of surprise.
0: <laughs> this is so meta. It's, it's like super. Like, but I'm surprised. That you're surprised by my surprise. I'm kidding.
1: Right. I'm kidding. We're just doing a thing.
0: We're doing a bit. You know, it's not earnest. But, but so, <laughs> so, I okay. But back. Let's you know. Let's let's go chronological in terms of um, how you know how we met. How this perception started. I went to a mortified show. You know what it was? What was that Jewish magazine that was really funny? That my Hebe. Heeb. I went to a Hebe storytelling show. It was the first storytelling show. I performed
1: show. in a Hebe show. Did you see me?
0: I think you performed that night. Was that the night that Emma like, Forrest took her dress off? Yes. Okay. So that's what happened. And then... And
1: Colin Farrell was, was there. there. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um... As was Kate Beckinsale. It's not that I'm obsessed with celebrities or anything, but I do remember she looked so amazing.
1: I re- I just remember my girlfriend at the time being like, "Colin Farrell's here," and he said hello to me in the bathroom. Or wait a minute, oh my god! Oh my
0: god! More than hello, what were <laughs> th- they doing in the same bathroom? I,
1: I think I meant on the line for the bathroom, but
0: um, I will tell you not to not to get too off track. That I went to Yoga Works on. Um, Hollywood and Vine. I used okay. to go there for a while and I okay. walk into this class and Colin Farrell is there. And the coolest, friendliest guy. And I would say we had a quote unquote relationship in that hour that was, I mean, he was so good. We were partners on this thing. He was with his His sister was there and she would be like, no, 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 you partner with her. No worries. He got me my mat when it was like the end of the thing and I thought this is the beginning of, you know.
1: I, all right, I, I okay I'm almost right. done yeah. well no I think he oh wait you're not done I'm sorry was, I was just rude so, I interrupted you
0: it wouldn't yes Fuck. but so and at the Fuck. end I'm so <laughs> we're getting so into your stories um, at <laughs> the end he, he was like so what classes do you go to and it was the moment if we were going to launch into anything um, where he would have said well you know how can I reach you and he did not
1: where, where, I'm, where he would have said what oh how can I reach you again? yeah and
0: it was just very much oh cool you go to that class and then I went back to that class to see him of course. And and um, and these and somebody there was like, you brought Colin Farrell to the last class, right? And I was like, so proud. I go, no, no, no. I just met him. Then. And she goes, really?
1: That's kind of like when you go to another city and you hope that they think you're local.
0: It, yes, a little bit. <laughs> a little bit that. When someone asks you directions like, and you're oh, like, you, I'm just in you, Austin.
1: You brought Colin Farrell. You're like that's how it seemed. huh? That's how
0: it seemed. Um, I
1: no the reason. Sorry, the reason I was interrupting. I, well, I didn't realize I was interrupting. But um, bad listener. Sorry. Um, the re- the thing I was I was going to mention was uh, I think that that's I I have heard many stories in town about that guy uh, yeah. being so nice to women. And I think it's he. Maybe he is a nice guy, but I think he likes having women fall in love with him in that moment. Of
0: course, he does. Yeah, yeah. I, I
1: think uh, uh, whatever that ism is, he's got it.
0: Yes, and um, I think many times he, <sighs> you know, takes that to the next level in the moment. I, I, you know, that's sort of what you hear. But yeah, great quality, I would say. So anyway. Um, do I
1: have that quality?
0: You do. I don't. Because I, I will tell you, at every party I have, some woman leaves with a crush on you. I've told you. Did I tell you this?
1: You, you, t- you told me there, there were things that the last event that I, I attended of yours.
0: But by the way, you didn't come to my birthday party.
1: What was what? I, ha-
0: I had a fear that I sent it to the wrong email address on a paperless post because you didn't respond at all. Oh. Yeah, it was last week.
1: Happy birthday. Thank you. Oh, this is awkward.
0: No, it's not, because I, I was like, that's unlike him to not respond at all. And it was David get mortified? Is that not your email address anymore?
1: Sure, just say it on the air. No, I'm fine. If <laughs> you want to reach
0: David Nadelberg.
1: <laughs> I'm totally fine. Um, I don't recall that.
0: It was last week, so you would.
1: No, no, I'm saying I don't, I, I don't recall seeing that in my inbox. This is super awkward. No,
0: okay. Not I, really, though. No, but I've told you it doesn't feel like a party you unless right you're there. there. Uh, but
1: so, where was it? Was it at your thing? No, or?
0: it was at uh, Lucy's El Adobe.
1: Oh my God. You know what? I'm going to be totally honest. I did get that. Because okay, I, I, re- I remember seeing that and going, oh, cool, Lucy's L Adobe. And then you forgot. And I completely blanked, and this is me now. I'm owning that. Yeah, I'm this, own now, that. this
0: is awkward. No, no, no! It's It's not not, because I'm owning uh, it, yeah. And
1: then I'm and I'm saying I'm really sorry that I I do remember receiving that, and I think it was like in a blizzard of stuff, and then I was like, need to respond to that or see if I can go to that, and I didn't.
0: But yes, and it it did go on without you, but (laughs) so so but so yeah, women always have crushes on you, and I feel that you um, really pretty charming women, and you tend to not like you're like oh that's so nice. But not, you know... You're basing
1: because, this on the last experience we, there we had. There were
0: several women at one of my barbecues.
1: <laughs> one of them was crazy.
0: <laughs> oh, which one? De- oh, not, not the one. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> yes. um, one of them happens to be listening to your podcast on the regular now. So anyway... I'm um, sure
1: it's not her. I'm sure she's no, a delight.
0: She's a delight. <laughs> but, okay, I just... I know who you mean by crazy. So, yeah. <laughs> so anyway... Is, no, no,
1: I've been, uh, I, I, I'm, in a, I'm in a weird, uh, romantically emotional something place.
0: What does that mean? I'm
1: a dead human being is what Are I'm saying. Are you dead inside or dead no. inside and outside? Um, both. No. And, a, and, and so alive. At um, the same time. Yeah.
0: What, so tell, tell me about that. Um, okay.
1: Tell uh, me what is the premise of this podcast, by the way, because I thought it was about addiction.
0: It is, but you don't. You and don't, so
1: I, d- I don't have addictions, though I've been in therapy enough of my life that uh, I have adjacent things. So that's I just what we're talking
0: about. But we,
1: I like I feel safer, and this will help, uh, like if you with, know. The, with the relationship yes questions. Like I think this is how I probably am in a in a relationship or anything. I like to be oriented. Yes. Like, where I, it doesn't mean I have to know everything at all. That's like, I just need to know, like, here's the per, like, here's what I'm doing roughly. And it's like, oh, okay, now I'll just relax and like see where it goes, right? But yes. I just need the parameter. So. This is
0: a little unfortunate because there's just n- no direction. I mean, no. So, there, yes, if people are talking about addiction, which is, you know, 90% of the people that come in here and talk about that. Sure. Um, then, you know, there are certain, there we sort of go the trajectory is like chronological and what happened and what, okay. what is it like now. But when it's when it's somebody who i'm just interested in talking about healthy relationships we sort of can go anywhere
1: you mean romantic relationships yeah okay yeah okay i didn't i don't know
0: i know i should have told you before but but so yeah so i'm interested in where you are now have i comforted you by giving you a direction
1: I wasn't uncomforted before. I was totally... I have been comforted since moment one. I'm drinking a delicious WeWork tea. Yes. From the makers of WeWork coffee.
0: And you pounded a WeWork uh, watermelon. Watermelon water, yeah. Water. Yeah. So, so okay. I'm known for that. So, um, and, and one of the funniest tweets I have <laughs> ever read was by you, where you said, really? I'm sitting outside therapy. <laughs> I hear hysterical laughter inside. Have I been doing this wrong?
1: That is I do remember that moment. It was really, yeah, I think that was towards the end of my last run of therapy.
0: Uh, (laughs) So we're not, you're not in it now. Not now. Um,
1: I mean, I mean, I, well, I take that back. Uh, I think um, those who are doing work on themselves are always in therapy. I'm just not in a, uh, that version of therapy at the moment right
0: tell me uh what version of therapy you're in um
1: well i've been doing a lot of um been meditating a lot which is something i'm really bad at because i'm a very scatterbrained person and you're also not supposed to say you're bad at meditation
0: if you're bad at it that means if you think you're doing it wrong it means you're doing it right they say
1: oh oh sure anyway but i've been doing this i've been doing uh a lot of that stuff and um Uh, I enjoy I enjoy the challenge of it a lot yeah Um, and I enjoy the fact that every morning I think I need to do this it's like they told me to do it like you're brushing your teeth it's just part of hygiene and just take five minutes and then I don't but I like sitting in bed thinking about how I'm supposed to (laughs) and then like every once every four days I I do it and um, so it's baby steps but I really I find it very liberating and it's very um, important for me but um, and I've been doing a lot of um, writing, like personal writing, and um, and also I've been doing a lot of um, just a lot more like honesty, like a lot more confessional, uh, just even like I don't know, just um, just not giving a shit, and right. so um, yeah, I don't know. Those are some of the things.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like the idea of that. That people who are working on themselves are always in therapy. It's just not always the sit down and pay somebody to listen to you kind.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so, and the meditation, is it a particular form of meditation?
1: Everyone asked me that. I don't, it's not transcendental. I don't, I don't know more than, <clears throat> I don't know more than, uh, I don't know the name of it. Let's just call it Bob. I'm doing Bob <laughs> meditation. Did
0: someone teach it to you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in I'm in, okay. I'm in a, I'm in a,
1: I'm in a guided uh, class.
0: Oh, interesting. And you go every week?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I, um, it's been, but then, and then I do it beyond that too. Yeah. Um, every
0: once every four days.
1: Yeah. Sometimes, well, sometimes like every day, but I, but, and then in the past like week or so, it's been a little more sporadic. Yeah. Um, but, um, and actually, yoga has been, um, something I've been doing for the past few, you know, on and off for like 15 years, but <clears throat> about a year, maybe a year and a half ago, um, I really started doing it a lot. And um, for a while, um, and I just came back from a, a mini hiatus with it, but, uh, you know, I was going through a really hard time and um, I found it to be, Great, because I always love, there's a moment in yoga class, it's it's sort of like at the tail end, like somewhere I'm like 75% or 80% in, and I get this moment of like, Uh, not staring at the hot girl who's next Mm -hmm. to me doing
2: the uh, (laughs) provocative poses that I'm
1: not supposed to be pretending like are super awesome. (laughs) Um, And or I'm not supposed to be looking at the mirror going, ugh, I'm fucking fat and disgusting. Like, I'm just like, I got a gut and disgusting. Or I'm not supposed to be thinking about like some work that I'm supposed to do. Like whatever distractions totally like flood my brain during yoga class. And there are many. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love the moment where they're gone Mm -hmm. and I'm just here and I'm in this moment. And I had a very spiritual, I had a really important thing happen to me about, uh, yeah, about a year and a half ago in in yoga. And I got a mantra Mm -hmm. from it. Like this phrase just sort of came to me and it was, um, it was kind of one of the most important moments of my life, and it just so
0: came to your head.
1: Yeah, and uh, it carried me through that moment and many others. And I, I really, I really like. Anyway, so I, I uh, I've been doing that, and uh,
0: do would you talk about what that is, or is it too personal?
1: Uh the phrases I love Anna David. I love Anna thing.
0: David. That is many people's Talk mantra, which David. is weird. It's weird. I require Colin it of all Ferrell. listeners. <laughs> yeah, did you do do you do yoga with Colin Farrell is the most important question I will ask.
1: Um that actually is the mantra is <laughs> do you do yoga with Colin Farrell? It's a question. <laughs> yeah it's not I'm not into statements as a mantra. No, the mantra was um the mantra was, uh, so the situation was that my, my dad was, was dying. So yeah. super fun topic. And, um, and in that moment, I remember I, was, I felt a lot of pain uh, in, in the class because it, it was like they were kicking my ass. And this phrase, and I just thought about how my dad couldn't go to yoga class. hmm and how that, at first I, that was sad for me. And then I, you know, I was, but then it sort of made me feel really mm, grateful where I was like, um, uh, you know, like, uh, sorry, with the phrase, like, um, I get to. And so the phrase was, uh, I get to breathe. I, I get I get, I get to feel this. That's what I think what the first was. And it was wound up being like, five or six or seven, uh, f- uh it was like mad libbed where it was like that same phrase, but like the verb of it, uh, just kept changing. Um, so it was like, I get to feel this, I get to breathe this, I get to, um, move through this, I get to be in this, I get to, and so some of them were negative connotations, some of them were positive connotations and I just, it just, and they they just looped like a record player. And, um, and every time I would get back to the beginning and, and say I get to be this or I get to feel that and like I would come back to, this, to, to, to moment one, I would feel stronger
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: would feel better and I would feel privileged mm-hmm. that I am in a situation where I get to use all my limbs mm-hmm. and I get to um, breathe and walk around and it's not the worst thing in the world. Um, whereas when you're decaying or, or eventually dead, uh, you can't do any of that. Um, but like, you know, if you're bedridden. And so it just really made me super grateful, grateful yeah. It was an incredible, an incred- I actually just ran into my, that yoga teacher at um, Trader Joe's a few weeks ago, and I told her, I said, look, you don't know this, but when I started taking your class, this is why I started taking it. Like I needed to do something. And that's what I decided to do for reasons X, Y, and Z. And in the middle of one of the first few classes, like this thing, hit me, and uh, so you you gave me a forum for that, and I just want to thank you.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, she was like, "What? Awesome." Yeah. And I guess she now tells that story in yoga class.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. And it's, you know, it truly. And now she wants
1: to perform in my <laughs> in mortified, which is the funnier thing.
0: Which is great.
2: Yeah yeah
0: I um but yeah I mean I how much of contentment do you believe goes back to gratitude what do you mean I mean that you know our perceptions I mean I think this is particularly true for addicts and alcoholics but I think it's also true for all humans our perceptions of our lives um are inaccurate a lot of the time yeah it's Self-pity, uh, I didn't get this, it's compare and despair, whatever it is. And if you can go back to look at what I've got, I'm yeah. so grateful for it, then then a per- your perception changes as it did for you in this yoga class, in yeah. these classes.:
1: Yes. That is my bad answer as a guest. One word. Yes. <laughs>
0: what if you only gave one word answers?
1: Having done interv- having been on the other side of interviews.
0: Did two people do that?
1: Yes, and I will name names.
0: Really? Oh yeah. Not on the TV show.
1: No, yes. Fuck that Anthony Michael Hall.
0: Shut up. Yeah wow i didn't see that episode i was i was re-familiarizing <laughs> myself with the show this morning as i was doing all that prep that i do for this um but which goes back to you showed up at true tales of lust and love however many years ago oh, to see sasha looking
1: back oh yeah see my friend sasha rothschild yeah
0: and i was totally like starstruck i've told you this and so nervous because i had been watching the show and um, which was on IFC, right?
1: This is why we were canceled because everyone in my life thinks it was on IFC, and <laughs> we were on Sundance. Sundance Channel, yeah. We're now called Sundance TV, but um, I love that you watch it because nobody, I very few people watch the show.
0: I loved it. I watched season two. You know, I saw the Mark Maron. Mark Maron, who's currently interviewing Obama. Did you know that?
1: Uh, that makes total sense, and that's amazing. Yeah, meaning because I know he's in town. I know Obama's in town right now. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: they were this morning on the name. radio. They were saying, you know, watch out for traffic because he's going to be in Highland Park being yeah, interviewed by that, Mark Maron. Good, um,
1: good for fucking Mark Maron. That's Jesus, amazing.
0: I know.
1: I interviewed him for season two of our show. That's and what I was saying. Yeah. That was that was awful.
0: Why he came on the podcast? Previous and podcast. On your podcast? Cast, yeah.
1: Good. Uh, not he was not awful. He was a very nice and lovely man. Uh, that experience for me was. Uh, There was just lots of cooks in that particular kitchen uh, 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 behind the scenes uh, prepping for that interview. And during that interview, and there was um, a lot, uh, we were sitting in these super uncomfortable chairs, Uh and it just, everything about it was sort of, and I was... Yeah, there was, there's a big backstory to that, but, um, and, and I did not, and he was like the first shoot of our season two and I was like, can we not have it be a guy who's like this, a brave, I was like, I just don't think Mark Maron's a guy who l- take a shine to me too much. Like, can we just.
0: He doesn't take a shine to anybody. No, I know, I know. He's I know just, like, that's fine. Amazing. yeah and,
1: and I, you know, and I knew that and, uh, and I knew he's, he's who he is and, um, but I was like. There was going to be lots of network execs breathing yes and down my neck and like present at that particular shoot. So I was like, "Can we have it not be a person who interviews people wonderfully for a living? Right? Like, can I not be? Will com-
0: you intimidate it?
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you're, you know, you're you're interviewing a, a fantastic interviewer and. You know, and I just had uh, like uh, so many people shouting directions throughout, and it was uh, for that particular shoot, and uh, it was, uh, and yeah, when I mean, we were in this like weird setup, like um, in his
0: house, imagine.
1: No, it was outside on his patio. Um, like we're t- like we're in this like very <laughs> awkward anyway, and like they, I, I was like very instructed, like wh- like right. s- I want you to face exactly this way, and it's like just. Very often like that show could get a little overproduced.
0: Yeah. I, I, and yeah. a little handcuffy. Yeah. And
1: um and I think the it shows when that happens.
0: It didn't to me. It's a wonderful show. I oh, am thanks. so surprised. I hate television, so it's a big deal that I watched it. I love
1: you. And it's I love true. You say that. thank you. No,
0: it's so true. And um
1: it was called The Mortified Says. You can watch it on Netflix uh in America, but and you can see all of it on iTunes. I think it's only season one of Mortified Sessions is on Netflix.
0: And is the, the movie.
1: I and, like, and by the way, season two, I should say, is, is I'm more proud of it.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, n- I never saw season one. But um, so as far as I'm concerned, it never happened. Kidding. That's narcissism. But it's a okay. joke. Um, but so <laughs> let's walk people in case people are not familiar Uh, with the mortified trajectory. Sure. You found a a love letter that you had written when you were... How old?
1: I was 15. I wrote a love letter to a girl, never gave it to her. And then in my 20s, I'm not a performer, but I I decided to put that on stage um, and invite a bunch of friends to do the same uh, with their diaries, love letters, lyrics, etc. And that turned into what was supposed to just be one night turned into uh, the past 13 and a half years of my life. Wow. Like we're over a bar mitzvah in terms of how old mortified (laughs) is. Um, we're heading to our quinceañera.
0: Yeah. And then, and then you're going to be at drinking age.
1: Yes. Um, car rental age, (laughs) car rental age, presidential candidate age.
0: Right, Right. Um,
1: but yeah, so mortified, um, sort of took over my life and, and became this thing. And, um, and then, we, and from that we, we did books, uh, mortified books. And then we did, um, uh, the documentary. We did a documentary. Well, we did a TV show called the mortified sessions that was originally not even supposed to be with mortified in the title. And then, then right before it aired, they renamed it, uh, with the word mortified somewhere in the title. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and, uh, but then we did this documentary that's also on Netflix called Mortified Nation.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and that was totally independent and, um, that was really fun. Um, we might be making more like it, which would be exciting. Um, so we'll see. And we're right now, our big focus is doing this, um, Podcast, yeah, weekly uh, weekly podcast, cleverly titled the Mortified Podcast. I
0: think it's smart to say stay <laughs> on brand. Yeah. So and in that you you have the people who who told stories at Mortified come on and you interview them. Is that how it goes?
1: For wait wait oh uh, uh for the podcast yeah the podcast is uh, one story a week so it's a uh, one excerpt from our stage show usually about eight minutes something like that. And uh, and so somebody or nine minutes or whatever. And so somebody performs, and you hear like somebody on stage reading aloud their diary. Uh, and then there's a second segment. and The second segment is we get to talk to them about things that they didn't share on stage. Um, and uh, sometimes it really comes full circle. There's a there's an upcoming episode um, with a guy named Damien um, that uh, I think the interview and the and I didn't I didn't do the interview, but uh, the interview. Um, that my co-producer Neil uh, did with Damien and Damien's diaries. I don't know. I think they work together in a really nice, touching way.
0: So because you talk to so many people about ultimately, sure, it's about growing up and how they've changed. But I imagine their relationships are a huge part of it.
1: Yeah, well, sex is a huge part of, of mortifying. Am I talking too close to this mic?
0: No, you know, I'm. Because I, I you're to,
1: down here. I used am to, I be to be concerned,
0: and when I listen to them, even if somebody's got the mic close, my, my okay. editor. Uh, no, I know I said we don't edit. Well, you have my, somebody my, who does a thing, sure. Makes it sound perfect. Right, okay. Right, guys? Right. So.
1: Sorry, go on. This so, part should be edited out.
0: No, none okay, of it. None part. of it. So.
1: Right now. <laughs> here. This part.
0: Yeah, no, this part. So let's just keep doing that. Yeah. So you uh, talk to people about sex and relationships,
1: not exclusively, but it does come. That's it's a big thing of what kids write. Yeah. when they were when they were fourteen is is having sex, wanting sex, usually more wanting sex. Yes, um, and so I'm very familiar with uh, teenage hormones. Right. Yeah,
0: which are the most exciting hormones of all.
1: Yeah, and I know you were uh, you were involved with Love Line years ago, and like. So, yeah, uh, I always feel, uh, uh, I've always wanted to meet Dr. Drew.
0: If you had come to my birthday party, guess who was there? The Double D? Yeah. Fuck me. For like a couple hours. I did it with Emily Morse, who has a podcast called Sex with Emily, who does Love Line every Thursday. So they're really good friends. See,
1: if I I I know. If
0: only you didn't ignore emails from me. I
1: didn't really, I feel bad. I feel, I don't, I don't know.
0: Don't. Um... So, yes, so teenage hormones, what were you? Oh, the my, double D. my, yeah, yeah, Moby was there too, previous podcast guest, sorry. Are you,
1: are you just name dropping?
0: Colin Farrell was there, he wasn't. He wasn't, um, but his yoga mat was. <laughs> so wait a second, um, what was I just going to say about teenage hormones? Uh, God damn it, it left me. I'm sorry, no. were
1: you looping back to me?
0: Of course I was. Um Oh, my favorite mortified story of all time was the one where the girl... Um, she's talking about her dreams for the future, and they literally involve like sex. All there's just dreams of sex and drugs, and they it's amazing. Do you know which story I mean? Uh,
1: there's lots of them like that. If you meant there's one in our movie that is that, I or, think
0: that is. Was her name Stacy? That's right. Yes,
1: Stacy Casden. Yeah, and uh, she's in Boston and she's she makes a wish list of like th- she hadn't been even kissed. Yeah, and um. sort of the the piece ends with her finally getting kissed, but it's like, these are her wish lists for stuff, and most of them are about sex, and it's like, sex on a waterbed, sex on a trampoline. (laughs) I want to do the spaghetti thing from Lady in the Tramp. And it's just like, and it's like, some of them are very graphic, where she's like, be a prostitute for an evening. And then the next one is like, the Lady in the Tramp thing, where it's like, and I love... One of the things I love, and this is what goes back to the whole human thing. Like, I love that whole experience where it's like, I think typically in pop culture, when we're given a a window into some world, it's a very narrow window where we see, you know, people are always funny or people are always sexy or whatever. And it's like, what I love about Stacey's diary in, in that is that it's like. The innocence and the sort of whatever her inner slutty desire, like both of those are swirled together. Yeah, and that's really how we are. Yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, how is your inner sluttiness uh, cu- coupled with your sweetness and humanness?
1: Um, what? How do I really answer that? I don't what is, know. What is, I
0: don't see you. As, I don't perceive you as slutty at all. I've
1: gone through slutty phases. Really? Oh yeah. Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, that's a. That's a subjective term.
0: It is, certainly. And a pejorative term that's unnecessary. But for my...
1: I'll slut-shame myself.
0: Okay, yeah. It's it's much (laughs) more acceptable for men.
1: No, I've... Yeah, I've gone through uh, phases where, uh, uh, you know, that neediness is there, and you just need the affection of somebody, whether it's physical or just, like, even the attention from somebody, Um, and that... Do
0: you think that's what sort of sex lots of sex with different people provides hmm.
1: uh, that's one of the things mm-hmm. that's one of the things mm-hmm. um, another is like a reassertment uh, is that a word no
0: um, it is now
1: um, or sort of like a reclaiming mm-hmm. of like let's say you know I had uh, it was in sort of a relationship where I felt my uh, my damaged
2: Mm-hmm.
1: um uh, depleted uh in, uh in a certain way and i felt like th- so there was like a moment where like i had like with a vengeance i had to sort of like reclaim mm-hmm. that which i felt had been like lost mm-hmm. whether that was taken from me or whether i just lost it because i'm you human know and human and human and yeah but um and yeah and so i think you know i mean all sex is psychological so it's always fulfilling some psychological need other than the the biological let's make babies part
0: mm-hmm. um, what about the pleasure part
1: that's psychological tell me what and it's mean. also physiological but yeah
0: how do you f- tell me why but you, you can, can get
1: off by yourself so like
0: yes but it's enti- i mean it doesn't mean because you want to do it with somebody else that's psychological why do not i don't know
1: I, i'm not that's not a bad thing
0: no no um, it could be part of the um, the aforementioned therapy that does not yeah. take place in an office with somebody who you're paying.
1: You know what I discovered in my in my uh, th- myself uh, described slutty phase was um, I forgot how much I liked uh, like kissing like first yes. kisses and making out yeah. like that was so fun. Yeah, I mean I still think that obviously, but like I like. It's, like it was like it was like oh this was this is like make just like this is yeah. ignoring the sex part yeah like just like it was uh, yeah so
0: That's interesting because the one time you and I have had dinner alone at the 101 cafe after my car was towed I remember you telling me that you told oh, me how much you enjoyed making out
1: <laughs> That sounds like a creepy move to like
0: to yeah <laughs> Hey, Anna. No, it was in context. It made tons of sense. Yeah. But it stuck with me.
1: I think I think that might have been in that moment where I was like really sort of in your dwelling on.
0: Face.
1: Yeah, I might have been like dwelling on that. Yeah. Um, and
2: uh, yeah.
0: So, um, okay. And in terms of relationships, I do remember when I met you at at heap. I don't want to get into anything like painful or whatever that you were with a very pretty girlfriend and I went to, like oh my god they're so perfect. Look at them. That's what I that's how I
1: Yeah, I might have thought it. that too at the time.
0: Um, but that was a long relationship, right? It
1: was a long relationship.
0: And um
1: destroyed my heart. Really? Yeah. How? Uh, you know, I, this is somebody who I thought that particular relationship, but that was somebody who I thought I was going to, you know, spend my life with.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, and we were on different pages as it turned out. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> um <laughs> and, um, I, I, yeah, I didn't know, I didn't know that we were on different pages, but, uh, we were definitely on different pages.
0: Was that your most serious relationship? Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. You, maybe, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, I've had a few other like long-term relationships, but mm-hmm. I, I but never really dated in my 20s. Mm-hmm. And then in my th- late 20s to late 30s, I was in several back-to-back relationships. Mm-hmm. And so I'd only done a little bit of dating. So then when I got out of my last relationship, I was like, you know what? I need to sort of sure. discover who, I'm, who I am, um, whether that's sexually, whether that's uh, in, in just in terms of like... Personal dynamics, whether that's like everything. So I was like, I need to be like alone for a while mm-hmm. because I think my default mode is relationships. I like stability. I like co- comfort. Like that's like super attractive to me. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of decided to put myself out of my comfort zone for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah,
0: is that where we are now?
1: Now we are. Uh, I don't know where we are. I really, I really mm-hmm. don't. I mean, I sort of just. St- started seeing somebody recently but mm-hmm. like that had been it had been like a hiatus and and I don't I don't even know how I feel personally for myself about like where I would want that to go nothing to do with her
0: well she Just, isn't she not in the country
1: oh that was no
0: that was last week that was literally last week you told me that no it's two weeks ago uh,
1: yeah the timeline yeah so, let's change the stuff
0: <laughs> Fascinating. Um, there, there was, there was somebody, some, there
1: was some, there was somebody uh, a few months ago who I might have been ta- telling you about yeah. uh, last week that I was trying to figure something out with.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, that was out of the country. Yes, okay. But I was not referring to that.
0: Okay, okay. Um, so, uh, what makes for a healthy relationship in your mind?
1: Should I give you the boring answers? Honesty, communication. Because no. they're true. Yeah. But they are boring. Yeah. Um, um, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't know that I've been... Well, I think my last relationship was healthy for a while. Mm. As healthy as, you know... Because everybody's allegedly healthy relationship is also super unhealthy in lots of ways. Um, but me. I don't. I don't know... You know, I can't say because I i don't know that I've been. Yeah, I, I've, I have no idea of answering that. I don't know what the barometer is. What's success?
0: Yeah. Well, I have a friend, previous podcast guest, Carrie White, who says all relationships are successful. Some are just shorter than others.
1: I like Carrie White.
0: Yeah. She's full of great things like that.
1: Yeah. Um, I like that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. So when I did the... the I became single around the time that uh, season two of our TV show was happening.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And... Or remember was it season one? Whatever it was. Uh, and I remember... Being terrified of like being like oh I gotta like talk to like women like I gotta meet people and like do that whole thing
2: mm-hmm.
1: and I'm a very social person but like I was also like terror like I was but at the same time I also like had this sudden job where I'm like having to talk to strangers mm-hmm. and pull information out of them mm-hmm. strangers who are used to being guarded because they have publicists and all mm-hmm. that and I used both as sort of rehearsal for each other. And so I would actually go out to bars and I would force myself to talk to people, specifically women, but it could be just anybody, mm-hmm. um, as sort of training, uh, improvisational training for conversations that would happen on the TV show. And in the TV show, I kind of use that to sort of like make myself feel less terrified mm-hmm. of, of, you know, having to make a conversation with, with someone at a bar.
0: Yeah, that's yeah. interesting.
1: And now I'm, now I'm very, I feel, I am actually comfortable. Like I, uh, more or less, uh, like, a, like I'll be out with friends and if we want to go talk to somebody, like I enjoy, I enjoy talking to strangers. Like that's my, the book that I've been writing is all about my relationship, my friendship with this stranger that I, you know, for years. And like, like my, my whole life is all about conversations with strangers. That's my career.
0: Right. That's interesting. Uh, or,
1: or, or making strangers connect like mortified on on many levels is that.
0: So it's interesting to me that uh that you were at all terrified of speaking to women you didn't know. G- given that I see you very comfortable socially, but also because your entire career has been built on that in a way.
1: Uh yeah, I don't I just uh but you you get uh, you know, you you get out there again and 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 you realize like I don't know, I, like whatever insecurities you might have. Maybe it's about your age. Maybe it's about your weight. Maybe it's about like your success, whatever they are, or your personality. Maybe I'm annoying. Like all those things. Okay. Like I know I'm annoying by the way. You're
0: the least annoying person
1: ever. I'm mildly annoying, but, um, um but no, but like, you like whatever those insecurities are, you go out there in the world and you're, and they get magnified Mm -hmm. by the small reject. Like I remember the first date. Oh my God. I went out with somebody who was like, and I, for years I have always defended Los Angeles as being like, it is not, I've never had a woman say like, what car do you drive? Ugh, Right. right. That is And I always like whatever stupid stereotype gets established by like movies that say that that's what happens. That is not my Los Angeles. Right. And Not anyway, fair. I went on a date with somebody, and that was absolutely what happened. Like she was like very like, Ugh, you drive a grandpa car, and it was like, she was such a piece of shit. <laughs> like I bought her dinner, like I did like everything wrong, and like she didn't thank me, and it was just like, and I was nervous, and yeah. And so because of those little rejections, those I'm saying the, yeah. that happen early on in whatever formative moment of singledom or whatever like you, you
0: yeah know, you take those and,
1: and and then it just becomes like oh my god I can't do this what the f-? like you know
0: that is interesting what um, and, who, and,
1: and who the fuck is she exactly, like so like exactly. and then you get your bearings and you're like she's well, this is stupid
0: Um, yeah it's interesting my insecurity that I bring is that I don't know how to have relationships uh, based on you know I tend to be primarily single and when you talk about uh, how you're comfortable in th- a relationship, I'm like, oh, I wish I was more like that.
2: Mm.
0: You know?
1: Yeah. You wish you were more like what?
0: Comfortable in a relationship You wish you I were you, 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 you wish
1: you were more like... Meaning monogamous or meaning just like...
0: That that's, that that's what my history has yeah. been. I wish that that... Uh, I envy, and I'm not saying you're at all like this, but, you know, I feel like people can be screwed up in that they are never in relationships or that they're always in relationships, that they're sort of serial monogamists.
1: I have now lived two lives. Right. Like, I was, and and literally in my 20s, like, I I think I went out on, like, a few dates, and, you know, um, and I just, I didn't know what was up. I didn't know how to do anything.
0: <laughs> but yeah, and, we learn with experience.
1: Yeah. And then I got thrown to the wolves and I, and, I was, and I was panicked. And I also like also because I, I knew my dad, like there was this weird, a lot of it tied into my mom had already passed away. And so my dad was all that I had left. And I realized actually towards the end of my last relationship, I was like, oh, I do have a biological clock. My biological clock is that I do want to have kids. Yeah. And one day and um, I want my dad to know that kid and I don't mean like meet a baby because that's bullshit. I want that kid to be of conscious age to have a relationship with this to my dad and vice versa. I want my dad. So like I want them both to shape each other right. But that means my dad's got to be young enough to be able to hold a kid and carry a kid and play with a kid and do all that. He has to be old enough to mem- remember stuff and, and have an active personality. And then you start doing the math and you're like, well, that means the kid has to at least be five. And if I want my dad to be a certain age for that, to have, like the math works out where you're like, I got to meet a girl like tomorrow. Right. And so I got to like get out of my system whatever I need to do before tomorrow. Right. <laughs> And um, and so it made this. I had this like total panic. And then when my dad passed away, I lost my biological clock.
2: That's so. And I felt very.
1: And I still feel like lost. Like, what do I? What am? What am I? What's my pressure now? And what's my like? I've. Yeah.
0: But isn't that a much better time to be? Yes. You know, relationship. It's in control. Well, because <laughs> you're not going to pick somebody that is inappropriate just because you have fear about the clock. Well, I
1: also. I would never ever do that. However, um, like I would never pick somebody because like, Oh, I need to fill some sort of bullshit mm-hmm. like fantasy that it I have. could be
0: subconscious though.
1: It could be, yeah, it could be subconscious. Um, and yeah, so I don't know. I, I, but then I lost that biological clock. So, um, it, it really loomed on me and it was, it was like really, I, it was this pressure. Yeah. It, it's less about like um, it, it's more about the, the pressure being gone. Yeah. Now, because um, I think it was like it was very, it was making me. I'm sort of someone who over analyzes it anyway, and it right. was just making me like more picky, more over, and like yes. and just like impossible.
0: Well, yeah. I mean, how much of that is just sort of surrender of of. You know, getting that the universe controls what happens, not us. And yeah. so there there is truly no point in holding on to something that we cannot control.
1: Right. Which goes back to why I love yoga and meditation. Yeah. I, and I mean it like I really think it's a fuck you to our life mm-hmm. uh, that we have created for us uh, in this culture because... The the moment of surrender, the idea that you can just be now is mm-hmm. something that's so foreign to me, mm-hmm. and I love it.
0: You I, love when you can do it?
1: Yes. I'm terrible at it, but I love it. I love the challenge of it, and I love the minutes when I can get there and I can get that, like I said, like, I, like in that moment where I'm sweating and I'm in so much pain and all of a sudden this mantra hits me and I'm like, I get to do this. It's not like I am doing this. I get to. Right. Like it's a privilege. It feels liberating, and I really... Um, yeah, so, so getting that, that surrender to um, the moment is I mean, it's, it's the greatest
0: gift. Ugh, I find it so, so hard that I and I, I do a lot of you know, sort of subconscious, semi-conscious, like beating myself up for like, oh my god, you're not in the moment. What? Why are you not in the moment? You know, even when I'm interviewing people for this, and even when it's someone as fascinating as you, I, I in my head I'm like, oh, this is a good interview. Oh
1: yeah. Why am I fascinated? Like, can I say something? Like, I was just having an insecurity moment where I'm like, we're we're talking about fucking relationships, and I was like, she's normally talking to people about like cocaine addiction and like drug and like booze, I- and so I'm I'm like having this insecurity of like. This is the boring episode. And like, because I'm like, w- like do I need to like share horrible things?
0: No, about- <laughs> I mean, so, but the thing is, the emails I get are, are a lot, I, I really appreciate it when you're talking about relationships, because that has more of a widespread appeal to people. Okay. Because it, it's, it's relevant for everybody, not just for you know, addicts and alcoholics and even the website, the accompanying website afterpartymagazine.com were changing it up to make yeah. it more about relationships and healthier relationships because right. that's more interesting to most people.
1: There was a moment though where I was feeling, um, I wouldn't say addicted to sex, but I would say addicted to uh, affection. Like there was def- that, that slutty phase that we were talking about. Like, yeah. It was a compulsion. Right. You know, and I have a very obsessive personality. That's the only reason Mortified exists is because, you know. Yeah, it uh, takes that. Yeah, yeah. Not just my obsession, but also like Neil's and, and, and everybody else involved. But like, <clears throat> like that, uh, that is both my strength and weakness. And um, why did I bring that up?
0: because this potential addiction not to sex but to oh, affection oh yeah, yeah
1: yeah and i was like it was this compulsion like I, I there was a time like i couldn't go home like alone like i was like and i'm not saying like i had to go and bring somebody home cuz i'm not that i'm not like that yeah, guy right um but it's more like um i had to go out and be interacting with a human yeah. Uh, preferably a, f- a female human that I'm attracted to. Yeah. <laughs> like they're robot, like, yeah. like I'm a robot. <laughs> but like, no, but, but, but like I, I there were times like even in my twenties and I, it sort of resurfaced like, uh, you know, it, at times in my life where like there's this uh, addiction, there's this compulsion um, to, to feel other, the presence of other people. And so like there were moments where like I would walk to Ralph's at, 1.30 in the morning um, just to have a, a small conversation with whoever the dude was at the counter Wow,
0: that's or, or
1: whoever was trying to buy ice cream and wanted to ask me like have I ever tried this before
0: see I would think that was so depressing
1: yes it is
0: but so isn't it less depressing isn't it more depressing than just going to sleep at 1.30 in the morning
1: not when you have this addiction Not when you have this need, not when you have this aching, starving thing of like hole in my heart that must be filled by other human beings, like acknowledging I exist because I don't feel like I do in this moment. Right. How's that for your sunshine in the morning?
0: No, I mean, I think it's really interesting. We do talk on this podcast about the sort of, you know, whatever, uh, God... God uh, Dark holes. No, that it's... What is it? A God-filled hole, you know? That it's something that can only be filled with uh, spirituality and not with whatever it is, drugs, alcohol, sex, interaction. Um, God-sized hole. Thank you, Brady. Okay. Um... It doesn't mean you have to believe in God. That's just how people in recovery often will phrase it. Yeah. So, so how do you think that? Do you think that hole is still there?
1: Yeah. Uh, well, no, not not nearly as not nearly as much. Um, I'm, but I go through waves. You know, I, I have a, a fairly intense history of depression throughout my. You know life from teenage years till now and and that will always be a part of my life. There will never be a drug or a therapy that will remove that. there will just be things that sort of manage that and keep that kind of in check and um, but uh and so it will just come and go in waves and uh and then the hope is that you manage those waves um, yeah and um and that You know, I don't. I don't feel like life is about um, the problems that we face in life, whatever they are. Like it's not about can we bullet. One of the mistakes I often make is like trying to bulletproof situations. Mm -hmm. You, it's stupid. Right. You ultimately cannot bulletproof your life. Um, What you need is. Do you know the book by Dr. Seuss? I had trouble getting to Salacalu. No It's my favorite Dr. Seuss book And it's, it's, I don't know why it's not more famous But it's all about a guy who has all these A guy, a creature Who has all these problems And And uh, he runs away from the problems And then by the end of the book He realizes Oh, I can face the problems every day And the problems in his world Are, are like monsters and creatures coming mm-hmm. at him But all he does is he carries around a big stick Like he fixes his problem By arming himself with tools
2: mm-hmm.
1: And like that lesson Has like carried with me my whole life. Like and it's all about this guy who's trying to get to this magical place, Salasalu. This this you know utopia. Right. And the whole book is about like, you're a fucking idiot. There's no right. utopia. There's no you're already in it. Right. You're already here. You're in your best place. And equip yourself.
0: So metaphorically meaning sort of going into a relationship being like, I'm not gonna get hurt. Or I'm going to hurt yeah. them before they hurt me.
1: Carry a big stick.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: No, but but that doesn't mean put your guard up. I mean a little bit, but it means, um. You know, whatever you whatever the equipment is for you to to have a healthy relationship and mm-hmm. to. Yeah. Um,
0: so in terms of the depression, and I share that with you. Um, hooray hooray cheery yeah what um uh have Fun you ever, Friday
1: morning topic have this you, is being recorded on a Friday morning
0: yes Sorry. maybe they're listening on a Friday morning Happy yeah Friday morning what uh have you tried have you done medication or well, I've have done you, all of it yeah sure yeah
1: I hate medication you do I think I think psychiatry is a f- f- has a lot of evil in it I, I'm
0: Scientologist I
1: am Barely, I am kind of no. I'm not like a Scientologist, but I'm close. I'm, I'm, I side with them on some uncomfortable issues and that's one of them. Um, there are really important illnesses like bipolar and schizophrenia that require psychiatric help. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there are some forms of depression and stuff that can also benefit greatly from psychi- psychiatric psychiatric, uh, med- medicine,
2: medicine,
1: mm-hmm. um, but I think there's a lot of damage being done and damage that had been done to me mm-hmm. um, by taking a medicine or too much medicine or the wrong kind of medicine. And really, my issue with that industry is there's a cavalier attitude to where you walk into an office and you might tell them two sentences and right. they go, oh, this is what you have. Right. That's not holistic. No. I would respect them if it was back to the days of Sigmund Freud. and You're doing a, an hour long session for several weeks and then they assess this is what you need. But you can walk into a place, the average the average length of a psychiatric...
0: It's 30 minutes.
1: Not even. It's 25 or something like that. I went to the last psychiatrist that I saw. She sat there. Well, second to last, I should say. She sat there with some iPad app and as I was speaking was hitting all these buttons on the app and I'm like are you listening to me and she said yeah 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 yeah. I'm totally listening and basically what I figured out with the app was is everything that I was saying was just a matter of what drug do I give this guy shut up because that industry is I'm telling you is completely corrupted by the pharmaceutical industry that's that's my big political thing but like But 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 I also think that industry also does a lot of good. Like I said, for for those who really need it. But like this woman, from the minute I came in the door, it was about what drug do I give him? Yeah, that's the only way I know how to help him. Yeah, it was never holistic.
0: Yes, um, and that
1: is not a rare circumstance.
0: No, I have been to, I would say, many psychiatrists who are like that. Um, I
1: think that industry is was good, and I think it is. I'm I'm, like I'm like you can hear it in my voice. Like I'm I'm angry about that world because I think they have done a huge disservice to mental health, and mental health is a big issue with me. And like I am a big fan. Sometimes people don't get there's a difference, but like I'm a big fan of psychology. Yes. And I'm a big fan of psychotherapy. Right. Um. But uh. But psychiatry. Uh. I think is is in dangerous need of repair.
0: Yes, I mean, the pharmaceutical industry is in dangerous need of repair. Yeah. But I, I will say uh, my current psychiatrist. Um, Fuck I, that person. I went there, <laughs> no, our session a- was an hour and a half, yeah. which I had never experienced See, before. See, holistic. And uh, there were several sessions while we figured it out. Great. And she said, I think you have been misdiagnosed. And, um, and the, the test with a lot of these medications is do you feel better? Do yep. you feel okay? Do you have yep. side effects? Are you, you know, do you feel numbed?
1: And that's great. And I love that she's not doing the twenty-minute nonsense. Like, maybe eventually they can, but it's like I just get offended by the idea when they eventually just become drug pushers, yeah. which is what, which is what the majority of 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 my experiences and and others that I know uh, is with with psychiatrists, and that's why I find it. T- I've had very bad side effects from. And these are these are dangerous drugs you're putting into your body. They're very potent. Yeah. And so if you're messing with your mind in that way, you, you better make sure that you're doing it in, a, in an appropriate, reasonable, well-researched manner as opposed to just somebody taking an iPad app and, and deciding, like, yeah. So I'm glad that you had that experience. Um, and I wish there were more of those experiences because I don't... Unlike Scientologists, I don't think... Um, I don't think uh, psychiatry is fundamentally evil or bad. I think mm-hmm. it has been corrupted.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but and mental like mental health is a huge part of what I do with Mortified. It's a huge part of my life, and it's it's um, uh, it's it's a really important and it's a huge part of the book that I'm writing. Like it's it's everything to me, mm-hmm. and. Um, You know, every time I look at the news and there's something on there, like, that's all I think about is, is, is sort of the mental health aspects of what, you know.
0: Right. Yeah. I, I relate to that. I, um, you mean the news when it's like the pilot who had the history of depression and crashes the plane?
1: Yeah. And people jump to all sorts of, uh, I mean, conclusions, uh, um, or or they um you know or they or they start forming judgments of those who suffer from mental health mm-hmm. you know i sh- you know clearly with the work that I do is all oops sorry, I'm bumping the mic mm-hmm. clearly the work that I do is all about the removal of shame yeah like shame is the the big enemy in my in, in, in what I'm doing other than making people laugh
2: mm-hmm.
1: with mortified and we all have shame. Um, I have a very, very intense relationship with shame. Um, and... I... I, I, I want to... I think shame is healthy on some level, but but uh, for the most part, I, I just want to obliterate the fuck out of it. Yeah. Because I think it is has um, destroyed us. And I think in a lot of ways, uh, mental health issues have been so crippled by shame. Yeah. Because so many people are afraid to talk feel comfortable about like I don't know whatever whatever kind of issues they're having for years um, so okay so for for years um, so I have tics I have like what? right so the face you just made is not uncommon for me yeah. um, like I have they're very similar to Tourette's right what yeah okay. so that's a whole other topic okay, I know yeah. Um, And it's, like, a very huge, like, giant part of my life. And um, I had a great deal of shame about those. And um, I feel um, that that is... And at some point, I realized that that was poison for me. Yeah. That that is disgusting and that... I need to... So, I started, actually, only a few years ago, finally, not just writing about it, but, like, talking to my friends about it. hmm And then I started talking to strangers about it. Um, at the risk of... And, like, actually, this is probably the first time I'm saying this... Publicly. Publicly. And, yeah. I mean, not that anybody cares, usually. Like, I'm not usually getting asked, like, super personally. Quite, like, I'm usually right. getting asked, like, how did Mortified start? Right. Um, but, um, but, yeah, yeah. And... That yeah, so shame is a big. Sorry, this is my monologue.
0: No, it's I. It's super interesting, and it does. It is the whole purpose of what After Party is about, which is destigmatizing addiction and mental health issues. Yeah. Um and it's it, yeah. I I actually I, you just said you know I think shame is sometimes necessary or somewhat. I I think it's never necessary. You know, I don't think it does. Well, I mean, it, like if you do something super egregious, I guess, you know.
1: There's a side, yeah. There's, there's there's a side of me as someone who's involved in the storytelling movement or whatever you want to call it. There's a side of me that also knows that this the reason I say some shame is healthy is because there's this side of uh, the blogging world and the Twitter world and the world of people who are performing at mortified or the moth or love and lust or any of these things, there's an exhibitionism and a narcissism right. that can come with that. That is gross. Yes. And therefore, like j- there should be some kind of shame, uh, to sort of filter it so that it's just cause you're experiencing, it doesn't mean you need to tell it to everybody. Yeah. That's great for you and your therapy, but it's not necessarily great for the audience Yes. or, or those who have to hear it if you're telling people in, in person. So I think, I don't think it's healthy if we live in a world where everybody at every minute is being like, I got herpes or right, whatever the or, fuck they're right. saying.
0: Chronic confessionalists.
1: Right. Yes. Because I think there's a neediness from that and that's super that's just as unhealthy.
0: Yes, and I think a desire to have false intimacy.
1: Right. And then and there's the crutch that some people have of like, if I tell you some sort of intense thing about me, you'll respect me for You'll your tiny violins will start playing for for me, and you'll start thinking of me in some sort of like. You'll cheer for me more right. if I tell you my dad, like, killed himself or like abused me or like whatever. The this was not true by the way. Yes, like, yes. okay, <laughs> um, but like, if you if you tell somebody some ho- some sob story, like, there is this sickness where like. This almost competitive like thing where like people feel this need to sort of, um, almost rival each other in sort of these sob stories. And I think, I don't know, it has to be tempered with something. Um, yeah. one of those things is shame.
0: Yeah. And it's inter- like, don't be shame. Shameless is you yes. know, uh, a good word to describe it. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree. And it's a, also a huge part of recovery rooms yeah. is people will just. Uh, there are people who have issues with the sorts of things that are shared and a lot of times it's a little bit of a one-upmanship.
1: What, what do you mean by they have issues?
0: Uh, so so there are people who will who will it almost becomes competitive about I, this is not my experience necessarily but I've heard people say this where there's a competition element to like my story's worse than yours.
1: Yeah. Or you know, I've I've only been in group therapy situations a few times but like Or you hear somebody else talking and you're like, oh, fuck, I'm not as molested as they are.
2: Right, (laughs) right, right.
1: Like, I'm not as alcohol, like whatever yeah. their thing is. And you're like, Oh, that's fucking bad. You yeah. win. Yeah. And so sometimes the competitive element plays the other way. I totally get that.
0: Well, and I think people, I remember when I was, you know, in rehab and talking to people, I was like, yeah, I don't really think I'm an addict. And people looked around and went, Oh my God, you are, I've heard what you've been saying. And I felt this great rush of, uh, of almost pride. And, well, and com- like comfort because I was like, Oh, okay. I'm in the right place. Um,
1: because they were calling you on your shit? Or, or do you stand by what you were saying?
0: No, uh, my perception I'm, of it was was screwed up. I thought I was possibly in the wrong place because I didn't think it was, quote, bad enough. And then to get reassurance, like, oh, no, 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 it's bad enough.
1: That's, you know, that whole, like... That's like a whole... Like, one of the things I've been actually even writing in my book is, is this notion of, like... You know... Uh, we feel guilt and shame about like whatever our situation is it wasn't like ha- other people have had it worse so therefore i shouldn't feel bothered by whether i'm feeling yeah. yeah you know and um that is fucked yeah um i mean of course yes we we all do need perspective but you know just because some other person like had this terrible life and they were like in a war torn country and all these right. things like yes They had it worse. But it doesn't matter, like, even if you were cut from the t-ball team and that had this huge psychic scar on you, and I can say that because as a producer of Mortified, like, I hear the psychic scars of people all the time. And they're usually something far more trivial than being molested. Mm -hmm. And even if they were Mm -hmm. molested, even if their parents were alcoholic or they were alcoholic, like, it's the small shit in life Mm -hmm. that often, like, owns us, Mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And... Yeah. So Yeah,
0: and there is, yeah, there is I'm not deserving of being uh mortified or damaged or sympath- by
1: this. Yeah, or sympathy. Yeah, like you shouldn't feel sympathy for me because uh I'm not, yeah. And I I find yeah, so that whole competitive element of whether it's like playing on your insecurities and making you feel bad like, "Oh, I'm not worthy of uh, of of the sorrow and and the, and the or the um I don't know, the love that these people are getting Mm -hmm. or whether it's the competitive thing like, oh, I better goose up my story to kind of, you know, when I tell people that my mom was an alcoholic or something, I better like say she was she also was born with like no money. And, Mm -hmm. you know, like Mm -hmm. like I really got to dial it up like Mm -hmm. and so people like goose up their stories. Mm -hmm. Again, that was not my story.
0: Yes. No, I understand. I understand. Yeah. Okay. We so have to wrap up because this has been so good. So I hope you have not had moments of insecurity and or shame. Um, But I will say one final thing. Yeah. People, a friend of mine who's in recovery said, you know, people will often share, you know, I constantly woke up with people I didn't know. And that sort of, it's almost a trope in recovery. And he's like, I don't know. I never woke up with people I don't know. Like that almost becomes like something you just say as an example of alcoholism. It's yeah. kind of funny. Not funny, funny, ha-ha, but interesting.
1: Not sort of knee slappy, but no. more like, <laughs> more just like two fingers on the chin stroking, kind of like, ha,
0: huh, humorous. Well, people, those people, to bring it full circle, Guffah. that you heard laughing in therapy yeah. while you were wondering if you were maybe doing it wrong, that's what they could have been laughing about. I'm just saying, okay, we're good, we're done. Anything to Is add? It? Yeah,
1: um i love you yeah you're smart enough you're good enough i don't know are
0: you talking to me or them
1: i was talking to the audience
0: yeah okay you don't love me
1: i do love you you're fantastic
0: that's so cute look at that's a good moment wow so that was dave nadelberg i have to say when i started this podcast this was exactly the kind of episode that i had sort of hoped could happen in just terms of revelations in terms of just me talking to somebody that I that I know and and just hearing stuff that um just hearing vulnerability and hearing stuff that I hadn't expected Um, so wow go check out more Dave Nadelberg and please check out Mortified if you have not already and I will talk to you next time